The following message is from the audio teaching library of the Briarwood Pulpit, a ministry of the Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Our speaker is Dr. Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. It is our hope and prayer that this message will equip and encourage you in your walk with Christ, and as a result, you will be used by our Lord as an instrument of change to further His kingdom and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor-teacher, Harry Reeder. Join me in prayer. Father, I come to you in this precious privilege of prayer, but we come to you in the name of Jesus. He has opened the way. He has secured a hearing for us whereby we can lay all of our cares and anxieties before you because you care for us and that glorious statement is embellished and enunciated because you gave your son Jesus for us. So we come to you in his name. We would ask that you would allow us to preach his name, for there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And Father, there is coming a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess Jesus as Lord. But that day, for many, will be a day of judgment. So today, while it is called today, the day of salvation, help us to bear the name of Christ and the glorious saving work of Christ, the gospel message of Christ, the name of Jesus, that one, that name that you told Joseph by the angel. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, people from every tribe and nation. So today, speak to us that we will send that gospel message of Jesus, the name above all names, to the world. And thank you that we are allowed to do that by divine appointment, by divine grace, to the glory of of our God the preeminence of Christ in all things to save all of his people for your glory what a name what a precious name Jesus Amen Amen if you're able please remain standing for the reading of God's Word, two texts this morning. If you'll turn to Philippians 1, but for the reading first, I want you to turn to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, familiar text, but there's something I want to draw from it that's very important as we come to our Faith Promise Commitment Sunday for world missions. So if you look with me in Matthew chapter 28 and that uh, glorious text of Scripture, 
Matthew 28 and verse 16. And while you're turning there, I want to make sure you remember our missions conference it has a delightful conclusion every year. And uh, that's when, you know, the mission field has come to Birmingham. So we have a Hispanic church and a Korean church and a Japanese church. And we've got this wonderful international Sunday school class uh, where folks that are here, many of them for education, have just been kind of adopted into our church. And we love them and they will be here tonight. This is the way we end our missions conference with communion service tonight. And uh, our ethnic congregations will be with us ministering alongside. And then we will have time together in the Lord's Supper. Our Lord says that we are to remember that often. So tonight we'll have communion with all of our congregational communities, including our international and ethnic congregational communities. And um, and uh, so and then we'll be back. Back to Romans next week. Uh, your faith promise commitments can be given at the end of this service or by email or snail mail, or which is now coming more true than it ever has been before. And, uh, and uh, then also uh, on the website. Uh, there's a little bit of an elephant in the room I need to address for a moment. I, I've soft none of you were looking at my hand. And um, so it, this finger is a little larger. And uh, the reason is there's less of my finger now than there was on Friday. Uh, but we have some wonderful doctors here, and that's why I'm able to be with you today, and they're working on it. So if you could just kind of forget that's there instead of looking, wondering the entire sermon, uh, what in the world is wrong with him? So uh, you just kind of forget it. I wanted to get that packed out of the way, and so we can focus upon our purpose of being here, and uh, that would not be a distraction. So look with me in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 16. Now, the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain on which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, now here's what I want you to focus on. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The grass withers, the flower fades. The word of our God abides forever by his grace and mercy. May his word be preached for you. Please be seated. Well, I was so blessed by... Dr. John Curry's labors in the preaching of the word. And I want to build on that this morning. But before I do, um, could I ask you to bear with me for a moment? Because particularly this year, we have had a number of people who have become and attend and looking at Briarwood, uh, perhaps being a church home. And maybe you were here in October and you got exposed to our National Missions Conference. And now you're still here in February. Praise the Lord. And now you've uh, been exposed to our World Missions Conference. Now, it's not the normal one. We've had to make some adjustments. And I do want to thank Brian Winterstein and the entire team and the, all of the laymen and women who make up the Global Missions team for all the work that you did. Uh, I, we're so grateful for it so that we could 
have it. Now, we've had to modify, you know, for instance, where they were making our faith promise commitments. Normally, we have our missionaries up here, and you bring them up here, and then they follow their flags out. But uh, we weren't able to do that. We weren't able to have the missionaries. Many of them couldn't leave their countries. Uh, and if they came here, they couldn't get back. So we had to do Zoom. <laughs> but can't wait till I never hear that word again the rest of my life. Uh, so we had to do Zoom and thank the Lord that we could do Zoom, the Boomer Zoomer Pastor. And so we had a, a lot of fun with that this week and uh, thankful we were able to participate in it. But so we've had to make some adjustments. But there may be a bigger question. Uh, what, why is it that Briarwood has a national missions conference where we focus on fulfilling the Great Commission in our Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, our Birmingham, Alabama, Southeast, and North America. And then we do this missions conference where we look at how we're going to, uh, how we're going to participate through our 240-plus missionaries that are out around the world in cross-cultural missions to all of the nations of the world. So why do we do that? We do that. This is very simple because Jesus told us to do that. We didn't come up with this. We didn't come up with this at all. This is what Jesus told us to do. In fact, this church basically has had the same mission statement for 60 plus years. And that mission statement comes from the Bible. It comes from Matthew 28. I just read it comes from the text that we did earlier, our confession in Luke 24. That we are to be his witnesses beginning in Jerusalem to all of the world, to Judea, Samaria, and the Ottomans, to all the world. Uh, that This is our Christ-given mission to us. And then he's given us the message, which is to teach and preach the whole counsel of God. That's what he's given to us. So we have distilled this great commission and the great commandment into a purpose statement. And that purpose statement is very simply this. For God's glory, Briarwood is committed to equipping Christians who worship God and reach Birmingham. Now, here's where what we're doing this week kicks in. Reach Birmingham to reach the world for Christ. So this is that focus in our mission statement of extending it beyond our language barriers, beyond our cultural milieu, to send it out beyond all of that to out all of the world through those whom God has called and gifted and been tested as sent ones as cross-cultural missionaries. And so that's what we do this global missions conference. This is our mission. And, um, let me let me just do it this way. When I was a kid growing up, there was a television program, not a movie, a television program called Mission Impossible. And the star was a guy named Peter Graves. Tom Cruise couldn't carry his Globe Awards. That's how great Peter Graves was. And the program always started off this way. This is your mission if you choose to accept it, we don't have such a mission. Now, we may not embrace it. We may not engage it. But we do not determine the mission of Briarwood, the mission for Christians, the mission for Bible-believing churches, 
Jesus does. In fact, let me give you a little statement that I've tried to put together to guide us on this. We who inherit the gospel blessings from the cross of Christ have also inherited the gospel mission and message from the crown of Christ. In other words, if you today, can I stop here uh, just to speak to everyone here? Um, Praise the Lord for all of you that are here today. Some of you may be searching. Some of you may have just the Lord's drawing you. Uh, God's opening up your heart. But you've never yet made a personal commitment to Christ as Lord and Savior. This God of glory has given his son who came to the cross. And when he went to that cross, he there took away all of the sins of all of his people. And therefore, in him you can be forgiven. But even more than that... He not only received our sins upon himself and paid for them, he gives you his righteousness so that you can have everlasting life. You're not only forgiven, you are accepted in the beloved one. And if you've never done that, then you can, did you see my word up there? You can inherit eternal life. You cannot earn this. It's impossible. If you could have earned it, God wouldn't have sent his son. He would have told you to do better. But you can't earn it. We're helpless and we're hopeless. That's the bad news. But the good news, the gospel blessing is this, that what we couldn't do, God did through his son, Jesus. So if you, by repentance, will turn from your sin. Notice I didn't say penance. I said repentance. Turn from your sin to Jesus. And put your trust in him by faith and repentance. Turn from your sin to him and put your trust in him and what he did, this risen Savior who will give you eternal life. Then you inherit a new heart. You're born again. You inherit a new record. You're justified. You're right before God. You inherit a new family. You're adopted. You inherit a new perspective. You've got eyes to see and ears to hear. You inherit a new life where you can grow in His grace. And you inherit a new home where you will be with Him who has gone away to prepare a place for you. That's what you have. You inherit those gospel blessings. But if you have come to Christ, and if you come to Christ, you also inherit a mission. And you inherit a message, whereby the mission is to take that message to people who need to hear that good news. And we we have been given that mission not only where we are, our Jerusalem, our Judea, and our Samaria, but we've been given that message on a mission to take it to the whole world. 
In other words, the church is to be like that. You remember when you're walking by a lake and you take a rock and you throw it and you remember the waves that come out? That's the way the church is supposed to be. The gospel is sent forth and it impacts where we live and then it overflows into the state and then to a nation and then to all the world. That's our commitment. That's what our mission is that God has given to us to accomplish that. So... And you'll notice when he gives the mission, how does he give the mission? You get the blessings because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. But notice what the Great Commission said. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He is king of kings. Our mission came from Jesus enthroned, ascended. All authority has been given to me. Now you go to all the nations. I now give you authority and I'll go with you to the end of the age. And we accomplish this mission and proclaim that message. So that's why we do a missions conference, because we want to just periodically focus on what we're doing uh, 365 days of the year. We're on mission, on message and in ministry. But. How can we do that? So you, you know, you, you, got, you either picked up or you were given or it was mailed to you that faith promise card. And it, probably if you took any time or as you took time to work through it and pray through it, you probably noticed that there were three areas that your attention was brought to. How can you, as a part of Christ church, how can you engage personally? How can you engage prayerfully and how can you engage financially? Faith promise. Uh, you know, I've already put aside my tithe and I know at Briarwood over 50 uh, over 50% of what we give through our tithe and our faith promise goes to uh, goes beyond Briarwood to church planting, church revitalization, mercy ministry, um, benevolence ministry, evangelism and discipleship beyond us. I, you know that. But why? what is about this matter of faith promise? And why is it we have these three categories? Well, I want to just take a moment to show you why we, didn't, we don't invent our mission. Briarwood did not come up with its mission. Jesus gave us the mission from the throne. Briarwood doesn't come up with this message. Some people say to me, Harry, do you think we might edit our mission? No. <laughs> because our mission comes from what? This isn't hard, folks. Where did our mission come from? Jesus by way of what? His word. Don't edit the Bible. There's something very clearly said to you. If anyone adds or subtracts to the words of this book, let him be anathema, cursed. So we, we can't, we don't change our mission because it comes from Jesus through his word. And we don't edit the Bible. And we can't edit the message. What we've got to do is embrace it, and we want to, and I think our missions committee was right on target. What we want to do is be found faithful with the mission and the message. What's required of a steward? That's our theme for this year, lifestyle stewardship. What is required of a steward but that a steward be found faithful? 
So here we are. How can we be faithful? I would suggest to you the way you can be faithful in cross-cultural missions is to send the gospel out to the world by engaging uh, financially, personally, and um, and prayerfully. And we didn't come up with that. That's in the Bible. The Bible tells us that's how to do it. You know, Dr. Curry did a great job of showing us a case study of missions on the missionary moment when the gospel had gone from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria, and then it jumped into Europe at a place called Philippi. And he walked us through that case study of the gospel going to Philippi. And when you see the gospel going to Philippi, there's a backstory. Uh, there is a story behind the story. There's a rest of the story. I like to use the phrase, there's some dots to connect. Let me, let me try to give it illustrated. I have had the privilege to pray with people who have given their life to Jesus. Not one time in my entire life have I prayed with someone who gave their life to Jesus that that encounter was the first time that they had ever heard about Jesus, or I was the first person to talk to them about Jesus. There had been a mother, a grandmother, a father, a grandfather, an uncle, an aunt, a campus colleague, a college campus friend, a college ministry friend, a, um, a teammate, somebody, neighbor, somebody had told them about Jesus and somebody else likely had told them. In other words, when anybody comes to Christ, somebody, and you get the chance to harvest the, the, the fruit to the glory of God, somebody had planted, somebody had watered. Remember, evangelism is a process. It is not an event. It is a pro- conversion is a divinely in, uh, engaged event where people come from death into life. But bringing the light to them, evangelism, bringing them to Christ and Christ to them, that is a process. Sometimes you're planting, sometimes you're watering, sometimes you're cultivating. So any Christian that you meet is a Christian who is what they are by the grace of God. And that means others had been engaged. There's some tapestry. There's a story. There's a backstory. There's a context of what has happened in their life to bring them to that point whereby they become a Christian. Well, listen, what's true about Christians is also true about churches. Any church that's a Bible-believing Christian church that's been planted didn't come out on its own. Other churches were engaged in giving birth to that church. So let's just take this on. The church at Philippi, which we studied last Sunday and Monday night with Dr. Curry. That church came into existence because Paul and his missions team went over the Adriatic Sea, landed in Europe, and started preaching the gospel in this Roman colony called Philippi. And a Philippian jailer got converted. Not only did a Philippian jailer get converted. Isn't that interesting? What if, that, what if, what if right now it became against the law for you to be here worshiping Jesus right now? 
What if that became against the law for you to be here to worship Jesus right now? First of all, I wonder who would come. Secondly, when they arrested you and took you away, and the policeman took you away, how would you look at the policeman? Do you know how Paul would look at him? Not as an adversary, a potential citizen of the kingdom of God. And so when, when Jesus entered, when God intervened and the walls came down, the chains came loose, what did Paul say? Do the deed? I said, don't kill yourself. He'd been evangelizing him. He saw them, he didn't see them as adversaries, he saw them, he was on a mission. He's got a message. Somebody had been on a mission when he was in opposition to Christ. So now that he met someone that's in opposition to Christ, he wants to go after them the way others went after him. So he's on a mission, he's on a message, and he's doing his ministry, and he's engaged. But Paul and his team, Silas, Timothy, Luke, where did they come from? Other churches. That's where they came from. The reason Paul is there is because there's a church where he had been the associate pastor under a guy named Barnabas. And that church had sent him and Barnabas out on a, now follow me, had sent him and Barnabas out on what we call the first missionary journey. And they planted churches in Lystra, Derby, and in all of those areas. Then he comes back, and then he says, let's go on another missionary journey. And Antioch sent him out again. He came home, had a little bit of a furlough. Then he sent him out on another missionary journey. And on that missionary journey, he went, now watch, he went to the churches he planted on the first missionary journey and picked up Silas, Timothy, and Luke. So now you got a team that comes from all of these churches. And how do you get all those churches? Because Antioch had sent them. Any, any Christian church, any faithful Christian church that exists, exists because they have received from other churches. People gave personally, financially, and prayerfully to get that church in place. Oh, wait, don't stop there. Wonderful Antioch. How did Antioch come into existence? The church at Jerusalem sent up Barnabas. The church at Jerusalem sent up some of its members under persecution. Antioch came into existence because Jerusalem. I mean, didn't you, hey, didn't you like that? Did, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it registered with you the way it registered with me. When we were doing our confession, it says, and you shall be my witnesses Beginning in Jerusalem. Aren't you glad it didn't say ending in Jerusalem? We wouldn't be here. It didn't say ending in Jerusalem. It said beginning in Jerusalem. And then from Jerusalem to Antioch. From Antioch to missionary journeys. Then over into Europe, Philippi. Hey, it's not going to stop there. Guess what Philippi is going to do? They're going to give and send Paul and his team where? To Thessalonia. Then where? To Berea. Then where? To Athens. So now 
we've got not just one church in Europe. We've got Philippi. We've got a church in Thessalonia. We've got a church in Berea. We've got a church in Athens. And then he sends it to the capital of depravity, Corinth. And now the gospel goes to Corinth. Because, don't miss it, don't miss it, Philippi was a receiving church. And then it became a giving church. Antioch was a receiving church and became a giving church. We are a receiving church. And God calls us to be a giving church. Question, how does a church get to be a giving church? It's not by a program. It's by its people. And they give personally, prayerfully, and provisionally resources, finances. That's what they do. People from other churches gave personally. Lois and Eunice gave their son and grandson. So Paul's got a teammate called Timothy. Somebody gave Luke. And the Luke, and they gave themselves. So there's personal engagement. There's prayerful engagement. And there's financial engagement. And so let's take a look at the receiving church Philippi and see if our faith promise commitment card is appropriate. Let's take a look at this. I'm just going to do it very briefly and then give you a takeaway. Look with me in, look with me if you would in Philippians chapter one. Philippians chapter one. Ephesians, Philippians. Oh, excuse me, it takes me a moment now. I can't just flip the pages. All right. Look at Philippians chapter one. Uh, Look at what he says in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has really served to the advance of the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, as much more bold to speak the word without uh, without fear. So in other words, Paul had given himself. He's now in prison. He's been sent to Rome. He's in a Roman imprisonment. And what is he doing? He's advancing the mission and the message even to the imperial guard. Paul not only saw Philippian jailers, Paul saw Roman centurions, not as enemies, but as opportunities to populate the kingdom of God. Then go down, if you would, um, go down with me to verse uh, 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 verse uh, 19. Yes, and I will rejoice for I know that what underline this. I know that through what your prayers, 
your intercessory prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ. This will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but with full courage. Now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. He says, I want to die well and I want to live well. How do you do that? For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Pray for me that I will be effective and found faithful on the mission, on the message. Do what? Pray for me. So not only do we see the personal engagement, but the prayerful engagement. Go with me to chapter 4. Go with me to chapter 4. Look at verse 1 of Philippians chapter 4. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women, Yodia and Syntyche. Why? Who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of our fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Look at this team. Clement, Yodia, Syntyche, members of the church at Philippi who had been given to personally populate Paul's team. And other, see it, though we don't get their names, it says other fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. In other words, Paul, when he came with a team made up of people from other churches, now has a team made up with people from the church that he planted. Look, the Mission Church Philippi is now a missionary church. It's praying for the world mission. It is giving people to the world mission. But that's not all. Slip down to one more, one more passage, down in Philippians chapter 4. Go down to verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, because I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me. No church entered into partnership with me and get underline that in giving and receiving. You're a receiving and giving church, a giving and receiving church. And guess what? When you realize you have received you also realize it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so here is the giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So they kept giving. There was a regular habit. And he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and, and more. I am well supplied. No, stop right there. Brothers and sisters, do you see what he's saying? I'm not asking for you to give because I want your gift. I'm asking you to give because I want you to get the reward for giving. By becoming a partner in the Great Commission. 
That's what I want you to do. Didn't you love it the way that young man just said that a while ago? He said, Briarwood, I just love to. Briarwood, give. Because, you can hear him. Get to that hallelujah goal because then this project gets added in. I mean, we got the operational goal. That's business as usual. We got the next goal. We're able to add some more. Hallelujah goal. We can go right. We're planting churches. We're planting solid churches right in the capital of the Islamic world, Malaysia. Right there. And you see him. He's not asking it for himself. It's for the mission and the message and your opportunity to partner in it. There's the reward. You see, every time you see a Christian or every time you see a Christian church, you, you know they're a testimony of God's grace and they are trophies of God's grace. And now they are helping other churches become testimonies and trophies of God's grace. So then he finishes out with this. I have received full payment um, and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphras. There's somebody else they sent. They not only sent Yodia and Syntyche, uh, they and uh, fellow workers, they sent Epaphroditus. They sent Epaphroditus, the gifts you sent, a fragrant, notice what is the gift? A fragrant offering, a sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. In other words, it's not, a tithe isn't an offering. A tithe belongs to the Lord. I mean, listen to what Bruce says or, or when he's praying. God, we're bringing your tithe and our offerings. But now they've gone beyond the tithe. Now they started giving. They give an offering that's a fragrant aroma for the cause of supporting the mission work from Philippi through Paul to all of these other churches. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And in other words, he says this, God will get to you what gets through you to him. That's faith promise. So where are we? Let me give you this and we'll close in prayer. Here's your takeaway. Every true church, like every true Christian, is a receiving church. We are what we are by the grace of God. The tapestry of other Christians and churches have worked. Um, Praise God for the churches that God used to raise up our founding pastor, Dr. Parker. Uh, Praise God for the... I guess it's about 30 to 35 percent of our world mission staff that are members of this church that we have sent out. Praise God for the members of uh, of churches that had worked in the lives of others. Uh, And so this Malaysia church, this Malaysia, you hear what the guy said? He was discipled under who? Tom Hawks. Remember our national missions pastor? who I had the privilege to disciple. Why did I have the privilege to disciple Tom Hawks in Charlotte? Because you sent me to Charlotte in 1983. The tapestry is extraordinary. The connecting, the dot. Listen, we're going to spend... My granddaddy, when he would stop at a service station, before we left, we would be related to the guy that was pumping the gas. He was going to find some... Can you imagine what it's going to be like in heaven? Yeah, so-and-so led me. So-and-so led you to Christ? Well, they led me to Christ. Or so-and-so led you to Christ? You know, we had the privilege to send them from our church. Can you imagine all these dots that are going to get connected? And so, 
But notice what I just read in Philippi. How did this giving, receiving church become a giving church? They gave their people, Yodia, Syntyche, Epaphroditus. They gave their prayers for the advancement of the gospel, intercessory prayers. And they gave their gifts beyond the tithe, the fragrant offerings for the cause of church planting and gospel preaching and evangelism and discipleship. That's why our card has those three categories in it. Because that's the way the Bible does it. The Bible not only gives us our mission, the Bible not only gives us our message, the Bible gives us our, our, our means as to how we accomplish it. And then, praise God, it begins to go forth. So, Pastor, how can I do it? Let me, let me just give you, I'm going to speak very practically, personally and pastorally. Pastor, my prayer life for intercessory prayer. Got any suggestions? Yeah, I got suggestions. Why not take, we, we got eight areas, eight subcommittees, Oceania, Europe, Africa. We've got eight. Why not one year, why not each year focus on the missionaries in that one area? Or why not each year, whatever missionaries are brought to the missions conference, you'll pray for them that year. And then the next year, you'll take another group. Or why not, why not just ask the Lord, Lord, who are you going to lay on my heart? And just see who he lays on your heart. Um, I got one you start. Is every Sunday, before you get here, look at your bulletin, and you're going to see a flag right here. And that flag is the missionary and the country we're praying for that week as a church. <laughs> I get so excited when people ask me about it. I also get a little discouraged. You guys say to me, Pastor, why is that flag over there every Sunday over there in front of the organ? I can't see the organ. Why is it there? And what does that mean? I said it means exactly what it's meant for 16 years. That's, that's the missionary we're focused upon and the place that we're focused upon. At least start there. Well, then you got, uh, what about my, uh, what about personally? Write our missionaries. I mean, if nothing else, just start a pen pal deal with a couple of them. Um, consider a family vacation being a short-term missions trip. Talk to Brian about it. Uh, we got some that have struck up. We almost every year, every other year, they'd use a mission a mission trip to go to to be with a missionary, one of their family vacations. Um, consider whether, as you approach retirement, maybe God's called you to be a cross cultural missionary. Students, maybe God's given you a gift to be a cross cultural missionary. So pray through that. Hey, I got another way. Get involved, maybe with the global missions team. Boy, now you start getting a taste of vetting and auditing and praying for and making decisions about missions. Or what about financially? Can I just tell you what Cindy and I do? And this, then we'll close. What Cindy and I do is um, every year we've got our tithe. We handle that at the, every member commitment. And then we come to faith promise. And here's the way we do it. It's, I call it, I alliterate it. I bet that surprises you. I alliterate it. I try, we come up with our faith promise through uh, system, systematic, uh, sacrificial, and supernatural. So we systematic. God has blessed us. I'm astounded at what God has allowed us to be stewards over 
And we want to be found faithful. So to whom much is given, much is required. So Cindy and I just systematically look through. Let's don't, let's don't take our financial abilities and build our lifestyle. Let's take our financial abilities and build our giving and then our lifestyle. And this is what God has given us, the resources. So we just think through it systematically. Secondly, think through it sacrificially. Right? One of the things we like to do is have a couple of things that we want to do, maybe to improve a, a yard or a house or something every year. And so we'll take one of those and say, no, what's the financial? We'll take that and add it to the faith promise so that we can give sacrificially. Something that we think we need, we're going to set it aside for something bigger that's in need. That's in need. A third thing is supernatural. I mean, God's going to plunder the Egyptians. I, don't, I was telling some guy called me the other day. Uh, well, the other day is about seven, eight months ago now. He said to me, he said, hey, this PPP was sent to my office, I mean, my home. What should I do? I said, praise the Lord. Sounds like faith promised to me. And uh, it's amazing what God is supernatural. You don't know he's going to just say, and you pray through it. And have you ever noticed how Brian has picked up on what uh, Tom Cheely used to do with the vengeance? Tonight, they'll give the our initial commitments to faith promise. And when he gives it, he'll say, and $1,833,000 and 67 cents. And you'd think. Who cares about the other ditches? Just 67 cents. And uh, why do Tom and Brian do that? That tells you children are learning. That's what that tells you. Families are learning. That's what that's telling you. And so that we begin to embrace it and deal with it and engage it. We got a mission. We got a message. And we got a means to accomplish it. This comes right out of the Bible. So we make that commitment. You know, um, um, uh, John gave us a number of wonderful illustrations, but he gave us some on Jim Elliott. I remember when I was in grade school and Jim Elliott and the other missionaries died in order to get the gospel to the Aka Indians. It was interesting. Everybody said that missions will die. Wycliffe reported the next year missionary applications went up three times. After their death. And as much that Jim Elliott has said that I appreciate. But maybe the one I appreciate more was this. Live your life as a Christian. So that when it comes time to die. All you got to do is die. You don't have to go back and edit anything. How can I live my life. So that when it comes time to die, all I got to do is die and go be with Jesus. Here's how you do it. To live is Christ. So Christ, what do you want me to do personally? Financially and prayerfully. So that the nations can be glad. When they hear the good news. And worship you. What is it you want to do through me? Let's take a few moments in prayer. My, I suppose more than likely you've come with your commitment card. and So I would just ask that you take it and hold it for a minute and pray and consecrate it. I love the 
I love the, the great missionary song, Little is Much When God is in It. It's amazing what God does with loaves and fishes. It's amazing what he does when his people come and engage personally, prayerfully, and financially. Just consecrate what the Lord is leading you to do. Just pray through it. Consecrate it. Right now. Lord, I don't know. I don't know what that little boy felt when he looked at the thousands and brought up the loaves and the two fish. But I know what he felt like afterwards. Little is much when God is in it. So just as you bless those fishes and loaves, I pray your blessing upon what we're about to commit. And I pray your people would have great joy as well as anticipation of what you're going to do as we become woven into that tapestry of being receiving and giving churches, receiving people, resources, and prayers, then giving people resources and prayers to extend the colonies of the kingdom through evangelism and discipleship and church planting. So, Father, I pray your blessing upon the faith promise gift and the giver. And then I pray you'll receive all the glory in this partnership we have with others. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a message by Harry Reader, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church, or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reader, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.